Hey y'all, welcome back to the Hunt Lift Eat podcast. Is that getting stale? Should we do a different uh, a different intro? I mean, we're like twelve episodes deep. I say the same thing every single time. Yeah, maybe we might have to work on that. Well, as you guys can hear, we're we're here with Perry, uh, my co-host and cousin, and then we've also got a really cool special guest this week. It's gonna be my buddy Carter. But uh, Perry, what's going on? How's uh, how's life been? Uh, life's been good, man. Can't complain a bit. Got uh got to enjoy the some of the nice warm weather here that North Carolina's having on this side of the world. I know that's a little bit different from what you got, but yeah, I'm excited to actually meet at least via kind of video video uh, chat style here, Carter for the first time. Good to have him with us. Yeah, it definitely is. Carter is one of the team members for Hunt Lift Eat. He's been a team member for a hot minute now. Um, we met back shit, I don't even know, a couple years ago now via Instagram which is kind of funny calling like my Tinder friend because we met up and like, we're talking on Instagram and kind of been bu- like buddies through there and, and kind of talked about hunting and stuff. And he invited me up. This is when I was at Fort Benning down in West Georgia. He invited me up to come to North Georgia to his place to do a little Turkey hunting. And I drove up there and we, uh, we met up on a, the little Tinder date that it was and became fast friends and had a really good time chasing Turks and, Actually, no, it was, a, it was a deer hunt first, right? I can't remember. But yeah, I'll turn it over to Carter, and he can kind of kind of talk and introduce himself a little bit. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. We're, we're glad to have you. So uh, kind of give everybody a little bit of your background. So, you know, what what you do for a living and, you know, what, what your life looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so <clears throat> I live in uh, North Georgia. I live probably 30 miles north of Atlanta. Um, I'm a school teacher. I teach... Uh, High school history, U.S. and world history, uh, AP U.S. history, um, and my wife and I—we uh, just bought a house and we live on a little tiny farm uh, compared to your family farm in Virginia. We got six acres up here in North Georgia, um, where we're kind of making a go of it. We've been here the last three years and uh, graduated from University of North Georgia up in Dahlonega, which. Uh, I think the most most of you military guys would be familiar with is military college, um, and then yeah, like Luke was saying, <laughs> my wife called Luke my uh, Instagram boyfriend for a while, but we met up online, and uh, that sounds so weird, and uh, <laughs> invited him up and uh, had him up for a deer hunt, and then later a turkey hunt, and we really hit it off and became fast friends, and now we have a western hunt under our belts, and yeah, been there ever since. Yeah, you guys have heard me in the past few episodes. We kind of unpacked what the the Western hunting looked like. We talked about Wyoming. Carter's the the guy I was out with. Him and his buddy Spencer for a Wyoming hunt, and he was able to put it together and kill that that nice little eight pointer that, that we kind of touched on. And so it's it's been really cool. Um, the first time we went hunting, he did what I did this last season, and he hammered a nice little button buck. Much to his embarrassment, I think he was a little embarrassed uh, the first time we hung out. He popped a button buck, but Little did he know that I am uh, also one who has killed several button bucks, so it, it didn't bother me too much. Yeah, man, I was so embarrassed. I had you up, and I have a really nice lease on a private piece of property in Dahlonega and big farm, you know, 180 acres. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to come up, and I'm going to show him how awesome this property is, and we're going to bow hunt. And then first night, I'd smack a button buck from, like, 20 yards like oh my gosh and then luke walks over to it and just picks it up with like 
I mean, one hand just picks it up. It's like the most embarrassing moment of my life. I was like, oh my gosh, I thought it was a dough. And he's like, yeah, that's a button buck. I was like, oh yeah, fantastic. We're never going to hang out again. Yeah, lucky for you, Luke's got a Luke's got a penchant for killing those button bucks that he thought were dough. So no wonder y'all became fast friends. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time, but it's really good ammo to have now. Yeah, Perry's over there on a high horse like he's never killed a button buck or a buck without horns like he did this season. Yep. Yeah, dude, I shot a buck. I don't even know if we – did we talk about that the last one? I think we did. I, the Carter, no, I but actually, buck. I don't think we've talked about that at all. Maybe we did. I don't know. We drink while we do these podcasts. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I shot a. I shot a, what ended up being a buck this year during rifle season up at our family farm that I shot from – it was a pretty good distance. It was probably 220 or something like that, and – Dude, I thought it was a doe. It was a big deer. It was a, I mean, it was obviously a mature deer. And I saw it way across the the bottom of the meadow and it was kind of running. And then it got down to the bottom of the field and stopped. I was like, sweet, another doe. And I just, I just shot one doe. I was like, cool, I'm going to have two, get two doe tags filled. And ended up shooting it and got up to it. And it was a freaking buck that had shed its antlers in early, early mid November. I was like, what Man. the hell? It yeah, was, I've never it was, seen it before. Yeah, it was bizarre. So there is, I was, so I was doing a little, after that, I was doing a little research and there is some weird medical condition or, you know, some weird genetic condition that causes them to, to shed their antlers early, but it was, it was bizarre. I had, I'd, I'd shot, I'd shot a buck a late season that had shed, you know, an early shed, but never one in November. It was strange. Yeah, it's probably better to get that one out of the gene pool anyways. Definitely bizarre. I mean, you sent me that picture of its nubbins and I was just like, what the fuck? Because I mean... Like you said, it was in early mid November, and it was just it was it was wild. I'd never seen anything like that. It, it wasn't it wasn't like they broke; like it was completely like flush with the the roof of the head, just like a shed, like when they shed them in the, in February. So it's pretty bizarre. Yeah, I can't claim any genetic issues. I just <laughs> total archery panic. Saw a deer, had a shot opportunity, and just swacked it. That happens to the best of us. Yeah, that's exactly what I did last this past season in October. It was pouring rain and I was miserable and I'd had like 30 blown opportunities and one came out and I hammered it and it yep. was a button buck. So it happens. I mean, what can you do? Right. They still, they still eat well and as long as you just do your diligence and try to pay more attention next time. It's funny. Like I don't shoot them with a rifle anymore because I don't want to shoot a small doe. But then like with a bow, it's just a completely different animal you get more excited. Like just having one in range with broadside shot at, but like, you're like, Oh, hell yeah. Like yeah. this doesn't happen I, in a year. <laughs> absolutely. And I'm like, not the world's most experienced hunter either. So like, I definitely got like super amped up about it. Did you grow up bow hunting Carter? I didn't. I actually, my hunting story is a little different than most of y'all on the team. And probably most everybody who listens to this podcast, I'm a, adult onset hunter um which i don't i don't love the term but <laughs> that's definitely what it is i didn't look and i talked up i've talked about this before i didn't kill my first deer till my freshman year of college um i did not grow up hunting big game um i grew up fishing a lot with my grandfather my grandfather uh is the one who took me in the outdoors and you know kind of grew my love for the outdoors and fishing nonstop. and i'm a i'm a mediocre fisherman and uh, hunted some, he grew up hunting birds and small game in eastern Kentucky, kind of towards y'all's neck of the woods near your family property. But uh, 
Yeah, I didn't start hunting until college. So what made you get into it your freshman year? Um, it was kind of like <laughs> ever since I was a kid, I think a lot of people may relate to this. Ever since I was a kid, it's something I knew it was like something I had to do. You know, like I grew up watching Davy Crockett with Fess Parker and like Jeremiah Johnson and all these Westerns with my granddad growing up. And it was just something I had to do. I was like, that's, you know, I'm, I'm a history teacher and I think I was born probably 200 years too late, maybe 250 years too late. And uh, it was something I just had to do. And then when I was really young, we moved to Colorado when I was about six and we lived there for three, four years in uh, Evergreen, Colorado, which is about an hour and a half from where Luke is um, up in the mountains and uh real small town. And uh, from six to nine or 10, however long that was, that was real formative to kind of telling myself that this is, you know, hunting was like going to be a big part of my life into the future. Um, Cause that's where the elk transitioned from their mountain range down to their summer range it was right through town. And so we're surrounded by elk and mule deer and, you know, the neighbors dogs would be eaten by mountain lions and we'd have mountain lions on our driveway. And like, just, we were <laughs> in, in the wilds. Um, and I didn't, I just didn't have the opportunity to start big game hunting until college. I had a, uh, a buddy I met who kind of became a mentor and introduced me to it. Sort of that, that journey into it look like, I know we've kind of talked about it, uh, in the past, but kind of unpack and, and tell everybody what, you know, your journey into hunting by the time you got to college, your family moved back, back East, you're in North Georgia. And so obviously it's a lot different from, from Colorado. And then you start getting into whitetail hunting. What did that look like? Yeah. So I had my first opportunity to start big game hunting freshman year of college. And, uh, I went to the college of Charleston at the time. And I super failed out of college um, <laughs> that freshman year. I got it. I nailed it with a 1.9 GPA. Um, and I spent most of my time either hunting or fishing or at the bars goofing around. Um, and I had a friend, Houston, who was a huge outdoorsman from Florida, South Carolina. And he was like very gracious and invited me along on all of his turkey hunts and deer hunts and all these things. Um, so I got to go kill my first deer with him and that was like really my first opportunity to kind of experience the big game hunting culture and, you know, got to take me to the, take me to the stand and then I shot a really nice doe and, uh, got to go to the processor and I'd never been to a deer processor before and I was getting slapped on the back by, you know these South Carolinian farmers because it was my first time and everybody's like amped about it. And it was like, I was like, this is like, this is a cool camaraderie moment that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. Um, and I was, I was committed from them. That's awesome. It's, it's, it's pretty cool that you had a, a mentor there to kind of introduce you to the world and show you the ropes. And I know for a lot of people that don't grow up in that world of, of big game hunting or hunting whitetails or turkeys or whatever, it can be a little intimidating, a little daunting at first to figure out how to take that first step. So that's cool that you had someone that you could kind of lean on for, for their expertise. I'm curious, were you, uh, were you, when you were going out with him initially, were you hunting private land or public land or what was, what was his setup like? Yeah, it was private. Um, and I, th I just, I, I wrote an article about my first deer um, that maybe will show up on the HLA website someday uh, if I'm ever pleased with it. 
Um, and I mentioned this farmer and I wish I knew his name because I can't, you know, maybe I'll reach out to Houston because I wish I knew his name and make the story a little stronger. But it was a local farmer who um, he had access to his farm um, and just let me go out there. And it was like not how I would introduce someone to hunting. I was very much marched to the stand and then left like <laughs> and then you sit there until dark until you get picked up kind of thing. Um, and I was just kind of like out there with like no guidance or like, no, like, Hey, I it wasn't even my rifle. It was like, Hey, here's a rifle. If you see a deer, like whatever, like there was no guidance or whatever, but you know, trial by fire, I guess, which has always worked out. Um, but yeah, that, that mentorship has been phenomenal. And that, that transition back here in Georgia, my, one of my best friends, Trevor Holbrooks kind of took up that mantle when I came back, uh, after successfully failing out of college and then he kind of transitioned into that mentor role back here in Georgia. Yeah. That trial by fire, I think is a real thing. Uh, I had a similar, similar deal. Uh, we kind of touched on it in the past, but like, I didn't, I didn't get into hunting until later in life either, just cause moving around so much as an army brat, like I always had the, the farm as like a constant in my life. But usually I spent most of my summers there. It's not like I could really get away during the fall might come up for Thanksgiving maybe over Christmas. And so I would go out and maybe do a little hunting with my dad, but it wasn't, my dad was casual at best. I wouldn't call him a hunter by any means. I mean, he's killed deer, but it's not something he like, you know, has a burning desire to to do all the time. And uh, so my real like obsession started, didn't become until I was in college too. When I moved back to Virginia Tech and started being able to spend all my falls back there with Perry and Evan and Perry was a senior, and so we would when I was a freshman, and so because he's a smart ass and skipped a couple grades, and so he would roll back with me, and we we you know we kind of you know Perry and Evan were more experienced; they'd killed a lot of deer when they were younger, but like none of us really knew what we were doing, right? We were just like mentoring each other and, and coming up and making bad decisions and bad shots and killing deer and having a good time and just learning and, and fumble fucking through it all. And I think that there's some value in that. I think it's definitely better to have some sort of mentorship and some sort of guidance, at least like a North arrow to keep you on the straight and narrow. So you're not shooting a deer from the back of a truck that, you know, like that may or may not have happened at some point in my life. Probably not, but I mean, it could have, you know, but yeah, having, having a, a mentor is huge and it's key. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, now down the road, it's become an obsession. Like you said, like, all I all I think about all day and I spend a lot of time in the field and my job allows me to I don't work Fridays so that gives me a lot more days than a lot of guys um, who work Monday through Friday and yeah it's just you know that's that's been the most rewarding part I think now is like I think I had that mentorship like the trial by fire and at this point like the most rewarding part or one of the more rewarding parts of hunting as a whole is introducing new hunters to the sport. That's like my new favorite thing in the world. Love it. Yeah. It's definitely something I enjoy. Um, I think it's something that needs to be balanced though. I've, I found myself like everybody always wants me to take them out hunting, especially out here. Now I get people like, Oh dude, let me, let me go with you. I'm like, dude, like I'm trying to kill something like, and I'm not good at hunting elk. So I don't really need you around my neck, slowing me down, trying to kill elk. Like, so it's one of those things that it, it's hard cause you, to have the time. And it's a balance between, do I be able to get after my own hunts and do I do the mentorship thing and like how to balance it? It's, it's a constant struggle. It definitely is for me. I can imagine that would be the case, especially when you're still relatively new to the world of Western hunting and trying to figure that out for yourself. 
once you know you've only been out there for half a year a little bit more than that eight months or whatever it is to be you know getting requests or getting getting asked for guys to take you out there when you still are learning it yourself that's got to be kind of kind of catch 22 you want to you want to do your part you want to be that mentor you want to introduce new people and but at the same time you still got to to gotta look after your own interests. You still want to, you know, try to fill as many tags as you can. And if you don't really know what you're doing, that's difficult anyway. So that's that's kind of funny. Yeah, and it's it's almost constant. Like I'm always getting people hollering at me to want to do like a hunt, and it's like, and I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Like you get a tag. I'm not gonna tell you like like you get the tag. And if, as long as I don't have a tag, I'll go if I can swing at my schedule. Um, but trying to go out with a new hunter when I have a tag as well, I don't think it's going to be anything I have any interest in at this point out here in, in the whitetail woods. Sure. Like all, all day long, because all you're doing is burning a weekend. But when you've got a six day season out West and you're going to take out a new hunter when you've both got a tag, like you're, I mean, I mean, shit, like you, basically your chances are zero because even if you do get on an animal, you're going to get the shot to them. And so it's just like, I would rather not have a tag. Let me focus on like some teaching and mentorship as much as I can teach. Cause I can't teach that much about Western hunting. Like I know animals somewhat, you know, I know some behavior. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, and it's a whole nother beast when you start factoring in like elevation and, and topography and, you know, fitness, like whitetail is pretty easy. You stick them in a tree stand and tell them to sit there till dark. Like, like <laughs> that's what happened with the Carter versus in the, in the elk, in the elk timber. You're like, Hey, we're going to climb 1500 feet in 0.8 miles and uh and we're gonna do it on shale let's go and we may or may not see anything we probably won't see anything yeah, exactly there's a lot of country and contrary to popular belief there's not that many elk yeah. um, and they're gonna be in the darkest deepest hellhole as possible as soon as the season starts when you're hunting over the counter and the forty thousand fucking hunters pile through Colorado with out of state aspirations that they're all going to tag out on six by six elk. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, I've talked about it in a bunch of episodes, but the expectation management is so skewed because of social media and YouTube and television. Like everybody thinks they're going to be on these crazy animals. It's just not the case. So when you went out West Carter this past year, getting after the mule deer, was that your first trip out West? I mean, I know you lived out there for a little while, but I mean, actually hunting, was that your first time? Yeah, so this was this was my second trip out west, and I've kind of become enamored with Wyoming as a whole. Um, and it's the I've, I've dove really deep into the where, what states do I need to put points into, and what states do I realistically have a chance of drawing in, and you know what can my budget afford? I know Luke and you you guys talked about you know financial you know, being realistic with your finances last episode or two episodes ago, and so I really had to narrow that down. And Wyoming was really like the gold for me, and so that's what I've honed in on on the last uh, two hunts. And so our, my first hunt I went out on was an antelope hunt in Wyoming, uh, also with uh, one of my best friends Spencer, who Luke hunted with this past October, um, and we went out just totally blind i mean just like we're doing it and that's kind of something luke and i really hit off on we're both kind of like all in on uh whatever we do uh just go for broke kind of thing and sometimes it bites us in the ass and we got too many irons in the fire but usually we figure it out kind of thing um but this was our second trip and so antelope was first and uh 
we were both successful with that. And then mule deer the second time. And we, we kind of got our asses kicked for the three days we were there until I killed one on the last, the last morning. I mean, probably like the last hour that we had, you know, of huntable time. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty tough hunt. Um, looking back, I wish I popped one of those spikes. That's for damn sure. I had three spikes at hundred yards staring at me broadside and, would have been a chip shot. Could have killed him with a fucking rock. But I was like, eh, eh, it's the first day. Let's, let's see. But it was cool. I wouldn't trade going back up. And then what I saw when I went back up, and we talk about that at length in another podcast. I don't need to get back into it. But watching that nice that nice one, that big eight-pointer for three and a half hours, struggling with my conscience the entire time, whether or not I was going to pop this thing. Fucking, I don't know. By the time it all was all said and done, I was like, probably 400 meters from the pro- the property line, but yeah. Fucking Wyoming, man. I want to go back. It's cool. It's, it's different. It's not what I expected, but it, it's a cool state and it's got some cool people and it's just, it's a, it's a cool area. I think if we end up staying out West, we actually might move to Wyoming from Colorado. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to going out there. That was based on your recommendation, Luke. That was the, the first place that I actually bought preference once, and I'm still learning the Western system myself. I don't pretend to be that familiar with it. Um, it's a totally new animal to me, but the past couple of years I've, I've purchased points in Wyoming and this year actually just decided to go ahead and, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, go ahead and purchase an over the counter for, for Idaho and hoping to maybe uh, meet up with a buddy out there that has some experience in Idaho and maybe get after some archery elk, but it sounds like Wyoming has a lot to offer and I'm excited to, to get out there at some point, maybe build up a couple points and see if we can't get a good, good tag drawn. Well, it's exactly like what you're saying. Like, you know, you just got to go for it is what I've, that's what I've learned. Like, you know, you can't, I can't kill an antelope in Georgia. So like, you know, what are you going to do? Like you buy the tag and then go there and figure it out, get Onyx maps and, you know, try your damnedest to, make it happen and i think that's the best way to learn you know um it can be expensive right if you got to eat that tag and you know i'm a school teacher and so is my wife so like it's not like <laughs> we can take these trips all you know frivolous like just what are you, what are you talking about you're you're a big money poser <laughs> like the rest of us you know what i can't wait for those shirts to come out because i'm gonna wear it everywhere i'm gonna <laughs> wear i told my students Dude. i was like i was like someone made fun of me on on uh on Instagram for the first time and call us big money posers. It's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. That was cracking us all up. I can't, I can't wait to get, get some of that merch. That's going to be hilarious. I, I hope that guy's listening to this episode. Big money. Oh, I posers. Do too. That's amazing. I doubt he is, but I'll, I'll, I'll snippet it out and then I'll tag him in it. <laughs> Maybe he was having a bad day. He probably was, but yeah, it's the best way to learn, man. Just go for it. Like I'm, I'm pumped for you to go to Idaho and, you know, experience that for the first time. Like, there's so much I learned, so much I learned. And everybody talks about, you know, antelope, rifle, like it's super easy. We drew with zero points. So the units we were in were, I mean, it was, it was hard. It was hard, man. We blew probably 20 stocks before we made it happen. Like, I mean, you know, it's, it's just the best way to learn is just to do it, go all in. None of it's easy. And that's something that really frustrates me. Um, I was talking to a guy that hasn't had a lot of success bow hunting, been bow hunting for a minute. 
got in, straight into hunting with Bo. And I was like, why don't you get a rifle? And he like scoffed at it. And I was like, dude, rifle hunting isn't fucking easy. Like, have, I was like, have you been a hundred, a hundred meters from an animal? Well, I mean, well, the only difference is like that last, you know, couple hundred meters. Like if you haven't gotten close within rifle range with a bow, then like you still haven't fucking gotten there. Like there's this misnomer now with the popularity of bow hunting because of, you know, a lot of the, the big bow hunters that are kind of famous nowadays. And don't get me wrong. I love bow hunting, but it doesn't mean that rifle hunting is easy because it's not. I've eaten a lot of, I mean, I ate a mule deer rifle tag this year. Like it, it doesn't make it a given by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Like, <laughs> there's no, like, doesn't make you better because <laughs> you commit to, you know, full archery or, like, anti-rifle. Like, archery gives me an extra month and a half in the woods in Georgia, and I love it. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a discipline, and it's worth learning, and it's, like, always worth learning a new skill, like, 100%, whatever it is. Um, but, dude... In Wyoming, like it's just, it's just a totally different ball game. Like here in North Georgia, I've never shot a deer farther than a hundred yards. It just is not a thing here, right? And in Wyoming, you can see, you can see deer miles and miles away. It's just like a totally different ball game. You know, there's just eyeballs everywhere, and they can see you. Like if you want to sit in a blind over a, you know, over water hunting antelope for, you know, sit there 15, 16 hours a day, and that's your archery, like hunt that's fine but you know i want to move around dude that's a whole nother beast like i was listening to aaron snyder on kafaru talking about hunting over water like you're hunting in like eastern colorado during that time of year it's still like 85 90 degrees sitting in a box with a tin roof like he talks about how he like strips naked and he's just like sitting in there naked as hell sweating his balls off yeah dude it's like a yeah you're shitting in a bucket because you can't leave and you're sitting there all day hoping they come get water, watching them sit there at like 90, 100 yards away, hoping they just like cross into the water. So like definitely like props to the guys that are willing to do that. I'm fucking not. Yeah, dude, <laughs> like, good for them. I mean. But. Good Lord. I'd rather shoot it with a rifle, man. Like I said, I was like, man, I doubt I, I might grab an antelope doe tag um, for archery this year just because I can get them for the unit that I live in. It's 20 minutes from the house, and then I might play with that shield, kind of talk about that shield, little ultimate predator thing, just to kind of see. But, I, I mean, dude, I would not commit to that being my my sole antelope hunt, you know. Like, I would definitely take a rifle. If you're going to go out and you're going to – I remember we were talking, Perry, with Trent and Chad, and we had mentioned – I think I had mentioned because I just got into bow hunting, and I was pretty like – I was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, I think I was riding high. I just killed that like my first doe, and he was like – He's like, man, I don't, I don't know. These are our outfitting buddies from out, out west in Utah. And he was like, man, you're going to spend that much kind of money and time to come out. I think I just bring the fucking gun. <laughs> just give yourself that extra, extra little bit of uh, advantage there because it's not a given. No matter what, no. what tool you have. No, it's not a given at all. Even though I went into Wyoming knowing full well, you, me, and Spencer would all tag out on beautiful four by four muleys i knew it was gonna happen oh my god dude we were so so we naive rolling smoked. in there we were we all like we were sitting there we're like yeah i mean i think i'm just gonna like hold out for like a nice eight make sure it's wider than the ears like yeah. i really want to be like pretty selective here yeah okay <laughs> yeah we could have all tagged out on spikes I, I want that to be known i want people to hear that we could have all tagged out on spikes but we didn't yeah we but were we selective. sure thought about it <laughs> 
Dude, I should have. What's, what's the? Sorry, Perry. Go ahead. What's the adage? Never, uh, never pass up on the first day. Would you be happy to kill on the last? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the problem is you you look at all these nice deer. We probably saw. I think I I kept a track. We we saw eighty nine deer over three days, um, and we saw Jesus some, Carter, you f- fucking yeah, rain dude. man over here. Yeah, I like I, I like numbers and stuff. I write them down, <laughs> but we saw like a decent number of good bucks, like shootable bucks. But the issue out there is private versus public and they learn where the you know public and where the private is and no matter how hard or how hard luke cusses at them from the side of the road they're not going to move on to that public and uh yeah it's just infuriating it can be infuriating yeah i can imagine i that you know you were talking about just the way you got to do it is just jump in with both feet and 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 learn that that baptism by fire that was so when I when I purchased that uh, over the counter tag for Idaho, it was so the I think the the tags went on sale at like noon that day, and I was out of town for work and didn't have a chance to check the website until later that evening at like eight o'clock. By that point, dude, it was crazy how many tags were already gobbled up. I mean, people would just absolutely get on those things as soon as they become available. And after talking with our buddies that are out there the units that they had recommended, which was, I mean, it was a handful of different units. He was like, Hey, if you, if you can get a spot here, you know, I've got some working knowledge. They were all gone. Every single one of them. So I was like scrambling, like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? I got to come up with something and found this, this over the counter archery tag. It's like, you know, whatever, send it. I gotta, I gotta get out there. I've been talking about doing a Western trip this year for the first time. And even if I have to take the bow and get my ass kicked for a week and come home, you know, empty handed, you know, just got to do it. But, you know, that's, that's part of it. And, uh, you know, at this point it's, it's worth it to me to take that first step and see if we can't make something happen. That being said, I believe in Idaho, and I could be, I could be mistaken about this again. I'm still kind of new to the, the rules and the regulations out there, but I believe when the, some of the draws go in because Idaho has a lottery. And I believe once that starts, you can transfer a tag if you do happen to get lucky and draw. And you better believe if I get lucky, and draw something else and can transfer that tag to a, to a rifle. I'm taking the freaking gun out there. Yeah. I think that's a good course of action. <laughs> yeah. We had that conversation, Perry. Cause like you told me about it, you got an archery tag and I was like, dude, no, like as somebody who archery hunted for elk this year, like, no, not that it would have mattered. I couldn't have killed him with a rifle. So like, yeah, I just wasn't fucking near him. I could have been out there with a damn claymore mine. It, it wouldn't have made a fucking difference. So with elk, it's just finding them. Once you get on the herd, it's probably fairly doable. Um, I mean, you understand when you've put stalks on whitetails. Like, elk are easier to stalk than whitetail. They just are. Um, 100% they are. So, I mean, we've both been within bow range to whitetails on the stalk. So, like, you, if you understand that, you can get up on elk. So, as long as you can get on them, and if, you know, if Trent takes you out, hopefully it's us. Because even if I don't have a tag, I want to roll with, help out, film, do whatever. But, you know, if he can get you within, you know, that stalking distance, then, then I, I think you can be successful for sure. Yeah, that's the thing I'm most worried about is just actually finding him in the first place. Well, I should say that and just the, just the difference in the elevation of the topography, that's that's going to be a, an absolutely new challenge for me, which is going to be fun. I'm honestly excited about it. I haven't done I haven't been out west in, in years and the elevation difference and just that that 
topography that you're changing climbing that much that quickly is going to be a challenge for sure but yeah i'm I'm absolutely hopeful that the trend can come with us and hopefully point us in the right direction that would be that would, i'm sure that's going to make a world of difference if it happens but you know if it doesn't again it's just a chance to learn and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let the fear of failure uh, prevent me from taking my first trip out there yeah and you know that's an important thing i want to add to like your buddy trent going with you and you know maybe learning from him i i had a i have a western mentor as well who uh luke met uh the jake hacker plug survived the hunt on instagram he's <laughs> yeah i talked about him uh last yeah, episode he's, actually he's the man and i found him on a on an online forum when i first like dove into this western hunting um as a what i'm gathering from this is carter's really good at picking up dudes online yeah i'm like basically a professional so if you ever need any tips just like let me know that's what it seems like, man. Get a little concerned over here. Look, all I know is I've killed a mule deer and an antelope, and uh, neither of you have. So, hey, touche. I've an antelope. Antelope buck. I've definitely killed an antelope. Buck. <laughs> but anyways, I met Jake on the online forum, and if you some of these hunting forums are just like exhausting. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, can understand this. Like, if you post anything asking questions, people just shit on you, and uh, be like, do your research and blah blah blah. Like, oh, there's no elk in there's no elk in Idaho. There's no blah, blah, blah. Just like not helpful. And, uh, Jake was the only human being who was helpful and helped guide us to what units to apply to. And even went so far as inviting us to, uh, his camp to stay with him. And that's a really important part of, and kind of like we were talking about earlier, like being a mentor hunter and, you know, there is a, there can be a barrier for entry for, hunting especially western hunting like some guys get real uppity about it um like you know at the end of the day like it's everybody's you know public land belongs to everybody like everybody should be afforded the opportunity it's not like the elk belong to anybody like i don't know no it's definitely true and it's the perfect time to shamelessly plug the hunt lift eat forum which is the new facebook group that we started up on facebook um Honestly, I started this because I'm I'm a member of a shitload of hunting pages on Facebook, like I Hunt Colorado, Colorado Elk, you know, the Hunting Beast Forum, like all these different forums, and they all end up being the exact same, what Carter's talking about, where some new hunter asks a question, and then he just gets verbally lambasted for this shit. So, like, on my rules, there's three rules. It's like, and one of them is don't be a dick. Like, if you're a dick, I'm going to kick you out. It's that simple. Like, I, I just don't be an ass. Like, it's very, very simple. You know, you've ever seen Roadhouse, Swayze, be nice. Just be nice. Somebody ask a stupid question, just be fucking nice. So you guys should go join the forum because that's what I want is be able to build a community where people can ask stupid questions because they don't know any better and nobody's going to smash them for it and just limit all the bullshit from these fucking keyboard warriors that probably haven't killed shit themselves and they just sit out here and lash because, you know, as Perry and I talked about in the past, my experience on the ground has been the complete opposite with people being very forward with spots, all the elk with well, the elk that I was on uh, this past year, you know, all the spots we hunted were given to us by folks on the ground in the areas we were hunting. And they told us like, Hey, go check these spots out. And we either found elk or found sign at all those spots. So I think there's a disconnect between the reality on the ground and what goes on online with a bunch of keyboard warriors. Well, it's just so easy to adopt that holier-than-thou mentality when it's done behind a computer screen. It's just not productive. I mean, at the end of the day, whether or not you've killed something or not, if you got if you got someone that's asking questions that's legitimately trying to learn, 
you can't fault them for not having the experience. And if they're just taking a, or trying to take advantage of a resource that's out there, like let them do it. Try to be helpful. Don't be a dick. I, I, I agree completely. You know, I, we've talked about, I didn't grow up turkey hunting and I honestly had no clue what I was doing. Still really don't. But the, the way I got into turkey hunting was a couple of buddies in college and they took me out with them. It was the same thing. They were helpful. They showed me the ropes. Um, they taught me what they knew. And there was no, you know, no judgment, no, oh, I can't believe you you haven't done this or, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's just, it's not a productive way to be. And um, I, I I think that in general, when people are taken, you know, beyond the computer screen, that's just, that's, that's not representative of how most people are. Yeah, man, absolutely. And maybe it's because, you know, I'm around a bunch of high schoolers all day, every day who <laughs> think they know everything, but don't, don't know anything. But like, I just feel like. I'm in high school when I'm on those hunting forums, man. And it's just like so unproductive. So it, it takes zero effort to, you know, I don't know, be a little bit helpful. Zero effort. Yeah, or just don't respond. Yeah, exactly. If it's not worth your time, then hey, just leave it. You don't have to call me. A, 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 everybody's called a, a liberal. If you whatever, ask what kind of boot should I wear? Oh, you're a liberal. It's like, oh, all right, man. But don't get don't get triggered, man. Yeah. You snowflake. Yeah, come on, dude. It's like all right. <laughs> Man, like, good Lord, like, you really are a good representative of the demographic. I wonder why everybody hates the idea of hunting, because you've got these dick bags who act like this. Yeah, you know what's funny is, like, all the guys that we hunted with that were out there, like, fellow non-resident hunters in Wyoming this past trip were, like, dudes who were super overweight, all from, (laughs) I don't don't want to, like... You know, maybe you have a lot of listeners from the Midwest, but a lot of dudes from Wisconsin and, and Ohio who were there to just drink a ton of beer and were not out there to hike around and like bust it and like really get after it. And it's like if those are the dudes talking shit on the pot, on the on the forums, like come on, man. It's crazy uh, how people act on. So I was on one of the pages. I think it was the I Hunt Colorado one, and somebody asked something about insoles, like what insoles, like actual orthotics that people use. And I was like, hey, like, try spending some more time barefoot so you can start correcting the issues that uh, that are, you know, developing the need for the orthotics. It's literally all I said. Oh, my God. You'd have thought that I – I mean, everybody was freaky. That's terrible advice. Like, are you a fucking doctor? Like, da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, going barefoot is the worst thing for somebody with foot problems. I was like, well, we weren't built to wear shoes. And I try to like explain all this stuff in like a rational like way of like, hey, if you, if you have a knee brace because you have a knee issue, but you wear the knee brace forever, your knee's going to actually atrophy and rely on the brace. It's the same thing with orthotics. Orthotics are a great tool to use temporarily to get over an injury, but you should spend more time barefoot letting like working out the muscles. And dude, and this guy keeps like laying into me about how he can't do this and that. And I click on his profile and the dude's probably about 45 to 50 pounds, at least overweight, if not more. And then I, I really, I typed out this long thing about like, okay, you're right. I, I looked at your profile. Like the first thing you should do is lose the extra 40 pounds you're carrying around. And most of your foot problems are probably correct. I ended up deleting it because, you know, just be the fucking bigger man. I deleted the whole thread. I deleted every post. I was like, I'm done. Like I, I'm done. I tried to be like kind of productive and be like, Hey, like you should just not wear these fucking thick boots, with these crazy insoles and maybe walk around your house. People thought that I was saying like, go walk in the back country barefoot. And I was like, dipshit, I wear boots in the back country too. Like I'm not some hippie fuck, but like, good God. Yeah. The times that I've tried to like actually have a, a rational conversation, if you respond to, you know, comments and, and something in like a situation like that, it's just, 
more often than not, you just find yourself pissing in the wind and then you just end up getting frustrated and then you, you know, you can't let it go. It's just, it's tough. You, you feel like you have something to say and you feel like you want to contribute. But at the end of the day, my mantra is either try to provide something that's helpful or just, just leave it be, leave it alone and, and don't engage because it's just not worth it. Yeah. And then worst case, like me, I'm a bit of a hothead. If I've been having a couple, couple drinks, you know, like you start getting sucked in and then you just it happened to me on Instagram the other day. I just got sucked in with this dipshit. And then you're like, what, what am I doing? Like, are you kidding me right now? Like I'm talking to this like dude that, you know, this guy's probably sitting in his mother's basement and I'm sucked in like going back and forth on a comment section of an Instagram post from a page that's not even one of my pages like what are we doing it's just it's crazy it's it's such a big like negative feedback loop that we keep rolling through well every once in a while you get a comment like big money posers and it makes it all worth it because we all get such a good laugh and heck we might we might uh, or you, you might end up being able to monetize that so maybe, maybe it's all good in the end yeah maybe you can make money off those t-shirts man yeah i mean the business, hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll roll it back all all into it. One day, I hope to make some money on this shit. So far, it has not been a positive cash flow endeavor, but we'll see. Uh, we did get our first sponsor. Um, there you go. First sponsor was last last episode, uh, Casey Burns, and that's going to be the perfect segue into the shameless plug for Casey Burns. So Casey, as you guys know, uh, if you listen to the last episode, is one of my Friends, I've known this kid since he was 16. Uh, just a little funny story on Casey. Uh, he's a few years younger than me. I think I was 21, 22. Me and Austin, his brother, were out at our hunting cabin, and we bring Casey out there. The first time Casey kind of went three shoots to the wind was uh, out there at the hunting cabin with uh, with me. And I can't remember. Were you out there that weekend, Perry? No, I wasn't there. Y'all told me about it, but it's, it's definitely not the first time that the the cabin's been someone's introduction to the to, to that. <laughs> that kind of event. No. So the, the best part of this, the whole thing was we had some, we had some moonshine in the, uh, in the cabinet there. And so we, we line up some, uh, some drinks for, for me and Austin and, and Casey and me and Austin are giving Casey mad shit. And we're like, Hey, like you can't chase this. Like, you know, like fucking pussies chase. Like you're not going to chase this moonshine. And he's like, all right. So we all shoot this sh- these shots of shine. It's not very good moonshine at all. Pretty pretty low grade. In case he's sitting there after he takes it, and like we had like a plate of cookies, and he's like, "So, uh, so how long after I take this shot can I eat one of those cookies for it not to be considered a chaser?" <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it. Oh man, it was so funny, and uh, and yeah. So now he's my mortgage lender. Yeah, we all grew up. Yep. Yep. So Casey is who you should go to for all your mortgage lending needs. Um, he's absolutely phenomenal. He is a, he's got like an educator's heart. He wants to teach you about the process. He wants to handle, take all the work off. Uh, he, he's honestly phenomenal. Yeah, he, he's come a long way from his, uh, you know, days of being 16 and taking shots of moonshine at our hunting cabin. He's actually extremely professional and does a great, great job nowadays. I recommend him to y'all because he's who I use. I used him on my last house when I bought the house in Colorado. Perry just refinanced with him. Evans used him on a couple of properties. Several of the team members, John and Andrew, bought a Florida property with him. Um, I mean, he's who we push out to everybody. So he, he does phenomenal work. You can find Casey on email. Uh, if you want to shoot him an, an email and let him know what you're thinking at CaseyBurns at PrimeLending.com. 
And you can also check out his website and, and look at all of his reviews at www.closewithkasey.com. But he's very familiar with the VA process, VA refis, doing Earls, all that stuff. So right now with rates being as low as they are, if you guys are sitting on a VA loan, you should definitely look at him and ask him about Earls and any sort of rates that he can refi into. So definitely check him out and let, if you do holler at him, let him know that we steered you guys his way. But yeah, so back to, back to the topic at hand. So we're sitting there and, uh, in Wyoming. And I kind of talked about the story of what happened from my perspective um, when, when Carter killed his buck on the last episode, but Carter, why don't you kind of go ahead and give your perspective and we can see like kind of how those marry up. Cause it's always interesting to hear other people's perspective. Well, sure. So I want to be <laughs> fully uh, transparent here and say that Luke is the reason I killed my buck this year. Um, so on the last morning of our hunt, uh, we'd been hunting for three days and through snow, we'd had blizzards every day and probably 40, 50 plus mile an hour winds. We'd lost, what, lost the tent two days. It'd been, it'd been not perfect weather, but anyways, on the last day, uh, we got up on the rest in peace to my canopy. Yeah. RIP. That canopy is at, uh, the rest stop in Casey, Wyoming in the, uh, it's in the dumpster there. If anybody needs it actually under, it's not even, <laughs> It's not even in the dumpster. It wouldn't fit, so he just left it by the dumpster. It's under the dumpster. This thing blew blew for like 800 yards. I mean, just tumbling. Just like fucked it up so bad. Yeah. I had this like grand designs of this awesome camp I was going to build and like host you guys because I drove up. You guys flew in. So I packed, you know, everything but the kitchen sink. I was going to build out this awesome camp and the wind. So we're getting, I mean, it was like 40, 50 sustained. And then we're getting like 80 mile an hour gusts. Like it was wild. Yeah, Wyoming's a different ball game. Um, I don't know if you've been out there or not, Perry, but it's the wind. It just rips, man. It's just like un- unlike anything I've ever seen in my entire life. And uh, I've flown the last two trips I've done out there, and so we can't. We're limited to how much we can bring. And so Luke was like, "I'll drive and bring stuff for camp." And Spencer and I were like, "Hell yeah!" Like, and Luke was like, "What do you want?" And I was like, "Dude, if you bring a folding camp chair." I'll be ecstatic. Like if I don't have to sit on the frozen ground, like we are light years above where we were the last trip. <laughs> and he brought a generator and an amazing, I mean, we had a heater in our tent. Like it was just, <laughs> we were living in the four seasons, man. It was unbelievable. But anyways, on that last morning, we got up on a knob that we had found where we'd seen a lot of deer, a lot of deer activity um, the previous two days. Um, and we were kind of going for broken. Each of us had, got on a different section of that knob facing different directions. And the rule we had decided on for who gets to shoot a buck is whoever sees it and shoots it because there were three of us. Um, and I had already texted my wife the night before and said, you know, I don't think none of us are going to kill anything, but uh, it's been an amazing trip. We've seen tons of deer, just like does, unbelievable amount of does and good bucks, but on private and, Anyways, uh, early into that that last morning, um, I see a doe come across from this ranch that I'm looking at, probably 300 yards away, private and then public on this side. And a doe comes and jumps over the fence and kind of skirts around this little little knob um, out of view. And less than 30 seconds later, I see this buck come chasing her. Um, and I saw antlers that were way bigger than a spike. and I was in and I kind of panicked because we, we hadn't really seen one on, on public yet. And 
<laughs> rushed over to Luke and I was like, what do I do? I saw a buck and he's like, <laughs> looked at me like I was an idiot. And he's like, well, go get it. Like, what are you doing? Like, go get it. And I was like, all right. So anyways, rushed down there. I left my pack. I just grabbed my rifle. I didn't even have my outer layer on. And I left one of my gloves. Like it was a total, total Chinese fire drill. It was a disaster. I left my outer shell and my rain jacket. Um, and <laughs> I made an amazing stock. I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of the stock I made on this buck to try and relocate him on this sage hill. And, uh, and then it started snowing and then I just froze cause I'd left all my, sh like I had one glove, like it was just real shitty. It was so stupid. And I was like, <laughs> it's just a disaster. And then anyways, fast forward what felt like an hour and I finally relocated this buck on this hillside and he was bedded down behind this sagebrush and I'm like, all right, I'm going to shoot him as soon as he stands up. And I had ranged that bush a million times, kind of like you and Evan had talked about, I don't know, an episode or two ago, just like ranging, you know, uh, points on the hillside and I'd ranged it 500 times, 149 yards waiting for him to stand up and eventually Luke did what Luke does and he got frustrated and came storming across down the hill that we were spotting from and crossed <laughs> uh, I picture him walked he walks he walks with his fists in the air just storming across the road and dude I, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about <laughs> you, if anybody knows Luke you know exactly I was taking too long right is what it boiled down to and I'm just waiting. Just shoot it. I'm just waiting. There's this giant sagebrush in front of his vitals. I can see his antlers over the, over the sage. That's it. And I'm like, this is a Bullets will go through sagebrush, bud. <laughs> and this is a good buck. And, oh, well, I, I, I should add, there were seven other deer with him, right? There were two spikes who kept trying to wrestle with him with their little nubbins. And then that's that's you texted me and said there were spikes with them, and that's when I decided to storm down the hill because I was like, "Fuck it, I'll shoot one of those spikes yeah, at this exactly. point." Exactly. So I was like, "We'll do a, a one-two shoot <laughs> fucking drill." Yeah, and I guess listeners can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but it is a very <laughs> broad. Luke is stalking across the road and jumps. I, I imagine he just grabbed the fence and ripped it apart and stalks up this draw, coming towards me with his orange and uh, storms up to me and literally Perry, I'm not kidding. He looks at me and says, what the hell are you doing? Are you going to shoot it or not? And then instantly <laughs> all the deer stand up, like eight deer stand up from bedded positions. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, boom. And I shot it right no, there. He looks at me. He's, he goes, I'm going to shoot it. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, fucking shoot it. <laughs> That's what we're here to do, man. Yeah, so I'd watched I was like, this shoot deer, it! <laughs> watched him bedded for an hour, playing it cool, freezing my ass out with one glove, no jacket, just like like blizzarding snow. Luke stalks over in his pumpkin suit, and they all stand up, and it made it happen. Hammered him, hammered him. Carter made a, hell, a good shot, yeah. dropped him. We drug him down off the off the ridge there, and fucking. Snow was picking up. It was cold. It was windy. Snow was blowing hard. Um, and, yeah, gutted it up and drug it back, dropped you guys off at camp, and I decided to go drive around and get my ass kicked some more. Yeah, you went after it and tried to find another one. But that, that those blizzards that came in every afternoon kind of really threw everything for a loop. 
which is the thing about Wyoming. Like the the weather's pretty unpredictable. Like the the previous trip I went with the antelope, it was sixty sixty degrees during the day and sunny, and I was like sweating walking around looking for antelope. And then this trip, it was cold as shit. It was so cold. Yeah, one morning we were sitting there. I was wearing all my layers, my marshmallow puffy with my rain gear over top of it. I mean, looking real, real like the Michelin man, just like a little bowling ball sitting in my little camp chair. I was toasty, though. But like at one point, I can't remember if it was Spencer or Carl. I think it was Spencer. Spencer like came over and was like, you ready to go? Like you guys were fucking cold. I mean, it was cold. It was like fucking 12 degrees that morning and the wind was whipping. Yeah, it's 12 degrees. But I had, I had so many damn layers on. I couldn't, I mean, I was, I was good, but I couldn't move. If you'd asked me to walk fucking 10 meters, I'd have been shit out of luck. Oh man. Yeah, it was cold. That wind was wild. Temperatures were rough, but it was a hell of a trip, man. I had a blast. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it sounds like it. it sounds like that was a, a great time. I can just I can just picture Luke's storming over the ridge there. That uh that big deep booming voice of yours, man. It's good for good for audio books and scaring up bucks so your buddies can get a shot. Dude, I was so pissed. Are you gonna shoot or what? I was like, oh, come on, man. He's like behind that bush. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I was like, do something. We've been sitting here for an hour and a half. Like, we're either gonna make a move or we're not. Like, goddamn. Blasted him, and then we had tenderloin Sammy's in the blizzard less than an hour later. Yeah, so I got to ask, how, how do they? So both of y'all have have killed and eaten whitetail, obviously. How do the, how do the muleys taste in comparison to the whitetail? Because I've heard conflicting reports. I don't think I've ever actually had at least fresh muley steaks myself. So I, I sent Luke home with. Did you? Did I give you a full roast or a quarter? You gave me a roast. roast. Like a, one of the roasts. So you've yeah. tasted it's it. Good. And my whole family's tasted it. And yeah, the overwhelming result is it's tastier than whitetail here. It's really? definitely, it, it, I mean, it's sagey. It's, yeah. It tastes like it's been seasoned. Um, hmm. But it is nothing like uh, antelope, which I think, you know, you guys have talked about on a previous podcast. But the antelope is like... Uh, totally different ballgame as far as how much sage is in it for me personally. I don't know. Um, but the mule deer, I really, really enjoy. I really like it. Yeah. I thought the, the mule deer roast, Emily, my cousin who lives with Caroline and I, she loved it. Caroline loved it. Caroline was like on the fence. She was like, that might be better than whitetail. So, and Caroline eats a lot of, a lot of game. Yeah. So I guess um, to answer your question, it's just different, but it tastes, it tastes, like it was seasoned far more than if you just got, you know, plain whitetail cut off a steak or something. Yeah, that's it. Well, what me and you and – sorry, Perry, but what me and you and Evan talked about, I think it's going to matter a lot different. Like the only thing they can eat where we were hunting is sage. It's literally like all they're fucking is. Yep. And so like I think if you were looking at like a Colorado high country muley, they're probably eating different stuff. And so they, they might have a different taste. So I'd be really interested – in the difference in taste, like if I if I'm if I'm able to kill a, a high country muley next year, what that looks like? Yeah, it make a lot of sense because I killed my antelope buck, you know, uh, probably f- five six miles down the road in the adjacent unit um, two years before, and that was sagey beyond belief. And people can make fun of me and shit on me for that, but it tasted like a sagey goat which is exactly what it is, but it was not, it was not <laughs> my favorite thing in the world. 
um, mule deer was a definite upgrade for me. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I've heard a hundred times and y'all probably have too from people that, that aren't hunters or, you know, they, you know, they've, they went over to a friend's house and someone cooked them some venison and they said, uh, say, I don't really like venison. And every time I hear someone say that my, you know, my go-to response is, well, you just haven't had someone cook it right. Cause man, <laughs> I can cook you some venison that you wouldn't even know is venison and whether it's steak or a roast or, you know, tacos, barbecue, whatever it is, I mean, there's a million ways to do it. And if you do it right, it's going to be delicious. And I've always been skeptical when I hear people say that, that muleys don't eat like whitetail do. And it's like, I, I just, I feel like they probably would if you put the time and, and care and to make sure you do it right and prepare it right. And so that's, that's good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just not being lazy with your, you know, your meat care, you know, I feel like that's the name of the game for every species, no matter what it is. It's all about the rosemary, right, Carter? Dude, I'm a big rosemary guy. I thought this might come up, but uh, yeah, I'm a big rosemary guy. I don't know if the full story needs to come out now, but yeah, I'm a big rosemary guy. So we'll tell the full story. All right, all right. We got, well, we got time. Yeah, we, can. we got time. Yeah, we can. We're, we're coming up on an hour, okay. but we, we've been blowing blowing the hour mark for the past couple episodes. Yeah, yeah, so big rosemary guy. Let's hear it. I'm curious now. So I get to, I don't even remember the name of the town. Casey. No, Casper. No, Casper. Casper, Wyoming the is the big city. It's got a Walmart. So I stopped there on the way up and I'm going to go to Walmart. I've got to get a couple things, uh, ice for the coolers. I'm, I'm, at the time I was going to get some beer, but I don't, didn't realize that you can't buy beer fucking anywhere. Yeah, Wyoming's a Wyoming. disaster as far as their liquor laws. Yeah. That's like one of the the big drawbacks and like why I'm not real concerned or I'm a little concerned about moving to Wyoming is like the availability of beer. You can't buy it. Um, that was a dumpster fire. That's un-American. Yeah. Not at Walmart, not in gas station. I walked around Walmart for 30 minutes looking for beer. Yeah. Dude, what the hell? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, it makes no sense. You can only buy them at, like, you can only buy beer at, like, designated liquor stores or bars. You can buy a case of beer from a bar. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. Anyways, so I text Carter before he gets on his connector flight, and I'm like, hey, if you have a list of shit, I'll save you guys the trip because they're going to get a rental car at the airport and drive up, like, I'm going to get up to camp three, four hours before them. Like, give me your list for Walmart. He sends me a very robust list of things that he needs for camp. Most of which are ingredients for all the dishes he wants to cook in camp. And if there's one thing I've learned, Perry, I think, I think we went through a bit of this when we were younger at the hunting cabin. It's wanting to do these very robust camp meals. Is the simpler and the easier, the better when it comes to camp. If I can't cook it in foil, I'm not fucking cooking it. It's basically what it comes down to because of the amount of cleanup and everything else and the complications. But <laughs> one of the ingredients was fresh rosemary, which Casper, Wyoming, go figure, in the dead of fucking winter, or, or at least in November, wherever we, whenever we were there, October, I guess. There was no fresh ro- rosemary to be found, so I have to like buy like a big jar of rosemary. <laughs> I ended up spending like a, I don't know, like $130, $140 on it. It was $153. I can't, <laughs> I can't uh, find it in like small quantities. And so to like meet his his demands for the the cooking list here, I've got to buy like all this shit. And I'm like, and he's like, he's like, how much did it cost? And I was like, well, dude, you built the list. Like, what the fuck? I'm just the messenger here. I texted Jake. It was so funny. I texted him and I, I sent him the list and I was like, this is what Carter fucking wants for camp. I haven't even met Jake at this point. And at the same exact time, we both send in, this kid's been watching too much meat eater. 
<laughs> with all the cooking that Ranella does. And then when I sent that, Jake dude, was like, yeah, awesome. dude, you're going you're gonna to fit in okay. It was pretty funny. And so that became the joke the whole time, the, the rosemary. I was like, this has got to be the only hunting camp in the entire state of Wyoming that has fucking rosemary in it right now. <laughs> yeah, I got, ripped on, uh, I got ripped on a lot. As Perry, I'm sure you know Luke is privy to do to individuals. No. No, <laughs> no, nah, man. We do. We we all bag on each other, and that's 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 one of the things that makes us fun. That being said, I get it, man. I got a couple fresh rosemary plants in my garden, and dude, I use the hell out of it. It's it's, it's saying, a great man. spot. It's a great. Earth. Also, I knew we were all going to kill a mule deer, so I knew all those meals were going to happen. Yeah, we we definitely did think we were going to be eating mule deer from the start to the end, and, and I will say. First of all, I am a big fan of rosemary. So for you rosemary fans out there, rosemary butter steak, like it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. That aromatic, it, it's key. I put rosemary in my in my stew and in my uh, my uh, uh, stock as I'm making it. However, don't really take it to camp. Salt, pepper, cayenne, that's all you need in camp. But <laughs> what we ended up making, maybe the best part of this entire, this entire endeavor, uh, besides Carter killing a mule deer, was the discovery of the peanut butter, bacon, jelly, and jalapeno sandwiches. Yeah, it's the best camp sandwich ever made, and anybody who debates that is an idiot. So, Sounds right up my alley. Oh, dude, we went out one morning. It's one of those, like, we got up, obviously, real early, get out. We're hiking around. It's part of the day we covered the most ground on foot. That, that day we covered a bunch of elevation. Yep. And so by the end of the, like, by the time it got to be about noontime, where, that's, you know, we'd go back to camp, like, we were all, we didn't eat breakfast or anything. We were hungry. Like we were fucking hungry. And we started getting like those, oh, you know, it'd be good. Like you think about what you've got in camp. And I brought a bunch of shit and I was like, well, we got bread. We got tortillas. I was like, dude, we could do some bacon. We can do some peanut butter and jelly. And we were like, yeah, that'd be good. And so we do one, we get there, we do one and it's good. And I'm like, oh, we got these jalapenos. What if we add the jalapenos? And then we add the jalapenos. And I think we put some hot sauce. So it's like peanut butter, jelly, bacon, jalapenos, and hot sauce. Pepper jack cheese. Pepper jack cheese. Oh, yeah. I forgot we threw in the che- we added the cheese on there at one iteration. That's the glue. It held it all together. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> Dude, there's people there's people throwing up in their vehicles right now as they're listening to this. I mean, it was life-changing, Perry. I'm not even kidding, man. And, and, and the situation at the time was the winds are ripping 20, 40 miles an hour. It was miserable. Blizzards every afternoon. Like, it sucked. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it sucked. I'm not going to pretend like it wasn't cold. It was cold. So that sandwich was like... The thing that was holding us together. Hey, necessity breeds invention, right? That's right. It was so good. Like, I actually meant to bring that back to our deer camp, Perry, and I, and I forgot. So that will be we'll, we'll put a we'll put a pin in that until next season, and we're going to bring that to to Virginia camp. Hopefully, Carter will finally get off his ass and drive up for Virginia boat camp. Tell you what, maybe I can bring it up for are y'all coming back for turkeys this season. Hell yeah, I am for sure. All right, well, I'll bring the rosemary. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> turkey and rosemary. Uh, I can tell you that based on our track record of killing turkeys out there, it's probably going to be about like what our mule deer hunt was. I like that. I can get behind that. This, this is going to be the year that it all changes, man. We're going we're gonna to right the ship in 2021. Game changer. This is the year. Yeah, we're all going to kill one. Well, what I know is I need to pick your brain, Perry, about my little piece of property I have here that I've been hunting the last couple of years and get some... Uh, land management advice from you sounds like you got the uh the knowledge i don't know about that i definitely got the interest it's something that that i want to do myself i, I actually don't know that i'm 
should, but I started looking at some some pieces around my my place this morning here. I dude, I just can't wait to find my own little piece of dirt that I can do what I want to with. And we've talked about what we want to do on the on our family farm there. But yeah, man, I'd be, I'd be happy to discuss some some ideas with you. It sounds like a fun project. Yeah, it's pretty liberating, man. It's we got everything here: bears, turkeys, deer, coyotes. I tell you what, you co- you come up for turkey season this spring, and we'll go run around in the woods up in Virginia, chase the gobblers, and talk about some ideas. That sounds great, man. Put your ass to work. Come on, building some ground blinds. Also, I want to point out I missed it because it was my birthday. I missed your work weekend, which turned out to be a disaster, anyways. It sounds like. Yeah, you didn't miss much. Yeah. Hey, we drank beer. We hung out. We got some shit no, that done. sounds awesome. It was Valentine's Look, Day. Look, my birthday's on Valentine's Day. What do you want from me? <laughs> Dude, that's I mean, it was my, my courthouse anniversary. I still rolled. Dude, I forgot about Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'll be at the next one for sure. I, I checked with Casey after telling that story. I was like, uh, hey, dude, I, I told the, the moonshine cookie story. Is that too much? He was like, nah, dude, that's cool. So <laughs> That was that's good. Funny. That was your first <laughs> advertisement plug. That was, you nailed it. It was the second. The first one was a little more professional. Okay. Uh, this one I wanted to be a little more authentic and kind of get some more background and like telling about the relationship with Casey. Yeah. Um, he did give me like some suggested topics, and one of which is uh, – he literally said, fun fact, this son of a bitch actually saved Perry's life at Luke's bachelor party slash gay pride weekend in Asheville. True story. story. for another time. Story for another time, but absolutely story. Story for story. another time. So uh, we can leave everybody hanging with that one yeah. um, as far as stories for another time. Great teaser. Oh, man. Yeah. Casey, Casey's a character. He He's one of – I mean, he's not a big hunter, Just probably like the only reason he's not on the team. Um, close friend, great guy. So everybody should definitely – utilize him if you guys need any sort of mortgage stuff he's just like a real dude he's not out there trying to push product and sell he's just going to be out there and, and do what's best for you, for you guys and take care of you as, as you're going through the home buying experience i had a really bad experience with my first home purchase when i was in tennessee uh really shitty lender he just wasn't good and you know casey's just a fresh fresh drink of water which is probably the first time he's ever been described as such but uh no he, he he's a great guy and, and will definitely take care of you but leaving it with uh, Casey saving Perry's life at during Gay Pride Weekend in Asheville, let's go ahead and segue this to to wrap up this podcast. Let's uh, roll through. We can start with you, Carter. You got any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, definitely, man. Uh, I would say if you're interested in Western hunting and you've never done it before, go for it. I mean, just do it. Buy the tag and go for it. Kind of like what Perry's doing in in Idaho and what I've done in Wyoming. Also, if you need a <laughs> Want, want someone to reach out to and don't want to get shit on on forums, reach out to me and I'll give you my limited amount of information. And then I guess the second thing I want to say is a word that you just mentioned. Luke is authentic and, uh, you know, I just appreciate the HLE brand as a whole. Authentic, I think, should be the word that represents the HLE podcast and, and, and brand as a whole. And, you know, it's a powerful word. Well, we appreciate the hell out of that. That means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's well said, man. I know um, I can definitely speak for Luke. We're, we're glad to have you as part of the team and um, definitely look forward to, to meeting you in person. I hope you can come up for, for a spring turkey camp and maybe we can schedule a time to go out west one of these days, go chase some critters out there. Love to pick your brain and, uh, and draw on that expertise. 
And to your point on the forums, like Luke said earlier, definitely go check out the, the HLE forum on Facebook. You get um, you get some guys there that are not going to, you know, no, there's not going to be any, you know, any judgment. It's, it's all, it's all going to be helpful. We're just, you know, trying to build a community of guys that, that hunt all over, can draw on a variety of expertise, experience, and, and try to build a, a community that way. So um, glad to have you on, man, Carter. It was, it was, a, it was a good time and looking forward to, to seeing where it goes. Carter, where can folks uh, find you? Yeah, so if you want to find me on Instagram, uh, my Instagram is thehomestead underscore GA. Um, bunch of content hunting. I'm really into gardening and farming and live chickens and all sorts of things, but that's where you can find me. Yeah, Carter's uh, Instagram is pretty cool. I think I actually followed him first. I saw his page at, at some point and I was like, hey, this is a dude that does a lot of the same shit that I like to do. And, um, Followed him back in the day and, you know, he gave me that old follow back. One of us slid into the other's DMs. I don't remember how that went and the rest is history. So Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty mediocre at a, like a lot of things. I like being average at a lot of things. So, if, if, Well, you're really good at picking, picking up dudes on the internet, bro. Got to be good at something. Nailed it. Big Rosemary guy. Rosemary and dudes on the net. <laughs> I mean, but hey, as always, thank you guys so much. Uh, we appreciate the hell out of the support. Uh, this means a lot. I mean, by the time this one's dropping – we're going to be well over 4,000 listens, which is just absolutely mind blowing to me. Um, I really thought we were going to have like maybe 20, 30 people listen to this podcast and we're coming up on, I think this is episode 11 or 12, 11, something like that. And uh, I don't know. I can't keep it straight. We're having to record a bunch in advance because I'm leaving for the entire month of April. So we're kind of cranking them out, but yeah, it's humbling. It's, it's mind blowing to me. I know Perry is crazy appreciative as well. And so are, is everybody, um, on the team as we continue to expand this and, and grow the brand. We appreciate you guys so much. Follow us on Instagram at hunt, lift, eat official, uh, subscribe to this podcast. And then definitely if you're listening on iTunes or on Apple podcasts, leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think. Shoot us any DMS feedback you've got on Instagram or via the website at hunt, lift, Thanks guys so much. You're the best.